HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This piece has been brought to you by Bonnie Plants, bonnieplants.com. Hi, this is Joe Campanelli, the host of In the Drink. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to another episode of Cutting the Curd. This is your host, Greg Blaze, coming to you live on the Heritage Radio Network. Today's episode is our final installment of the Old School, New School series. Over the past few weeks, I've talked with cheesemakers of different generations, Franklin Peluso, Judy Shad, and David Major, representing some of the pioneers of artisan cheesemaking in the U.S. We've spoken with Jost Volto, Michael Lee, and Veronica Pedraza, all cheesemakers who have somewhat recently started making cheese. With the Cheesemonger Invitational coming up, and happening this weekend in Long Island City, I thought it'd be great to talk to a couple of cheesemongers, old and new school, both of whom are involved in the Invitational this year. First, I'd like to introduce my old schooler. He is definitely old school, sometimes referred to as the Jack LaLanne of cheesemongers. You should see this guy. He's got some VHS workout tapes that are absolutely incredible. I believe he served as uh, Lyndon Baines Johnson's private dancer at one point. Uh, Matt Rubiner, uh, owner and uh, cheese um, operator of uh, Rubiner's Cheesemongers and Grocers in Great Barrington, Mass. Thanks for coming on, Matt. Hey, Greg. Hey there. <laughs> and our new schooler is uh, Emily Acosta, uh, who is a cheesemonger currently at Italy. Um, I forgot to mention, Matt is a judge in the Cheesemongers mm. competition this right. year, as they will no longer allow him to compete. Nonsense. Um, but Emily is a cheesemaker, um, a cheesemonger at Italy, and she will be competing this year. Uh, Emily is the new school cheesemonger, uh, coming to us from that uh, culinary hotbed of uh, J.P. Morgan Chase, and she's been a cheesemonger for about two and a half or three years. Welcome, Emily. How are you? I'm great. Thanks. Glad to have both of you. So I asked each of our cheesemakers last week and then in the weeks prior uh, why they make the particular cheeses they make, cow, goat, and sheep. And uh, to both of you, I ask, why cheese and why cheesemongering? Matt, maybe you can tell us how you became a cheesemonger and why cheese for you. Um, well, I mean, I went into cheese sort of late in life, and uh, it was probably a, you know an irritatingly calculated move. You know, I was doing other stuff. Um, decided for a change, thought the food business might be challenging. Um, and uh, I was kind of in academia, so I thought I would do something that, um, that uh, um, allowed me to bring the same sort of you know, lifelong inquiry into 
a subject, and I thought wine, but you know, the wine trade in the early stages just seemed kind of salesman-y to me, and this was 20, 22, 23 years ago, um, and uh, um, cheese seemed like something that I could, you know, study to my deathbed and still not know a damn thing about it when I was done, um, and so I just quit my job, or, or it's more complex than that, but I, it was more cowardly than that. I didn't actually Where were you working? I was working at MIT. And I was uh, I was um, being funded by a grant, so I quit my job. Meaning I didn't renew my grant, which was expiring <laughs> in six months. Um, and then I took a job at uh, at I was you know there was an arranged marriage with Formaggio Kitchen, and I took a job there for you know six bucks and six bucks an hour a week. Six bucks That's all a I week. Could afford. So you were one of the more well-paid employees <laughs> yeah. at uh, Formaggio at that time. <laughs> so uh, what, what year was that? When did you start being? When we when were you a cheesemonger first? That time? was. Um, Almost 20 years ago today, so 1994, at the Fancy Food Show is, was my first day of work. And so you're, uh, wow, you're, you're 20, yeah, you're 20, 21 years 21 in. Years, 20, That's great. Yeah. So um, you made the transition, obviously, you know, from being a cheesemonger, but you're still the cheesemonger. I mean, you just competed. Oh, yeah, very you much. were the winner of the first cheesemonger. Yeah, invitation. but there were like nine guys. <laughs> yeah. Still, stuff to be first, Matt. <laughs> stuff to be first. <laughs> But um, that speaks to um, what we were talking about, or what I wanted to talk about anyway with, um, with old school versus new school. Um, would you agree that when you started to do this 20 years ago or so, that the culture of the, of the industry, the culture of being a cheesemonger was a little bit different than it is now? It was, it was completely different. I mean, I don't think there was a culture of, a, of being a cheesemonger in the same way there is now. Um, the... And the state of the art of the industry, as you recall, was pretty low. I mean, the, the cheeses that we, we really prized back then are nothing you can't get in a halfway decent supermarket. I'm not talking, you know, Whole Foods or Wegmans. I'm talking Price Chopper. And, and uh, um, that's what our local supermarkets are called, up in the Berkshires. Up there? Yeah. <laughs> up in um, sticks? And, and, uh, but, you know, the, the case was filled with, you know, I mean, I don't mean to disparage some of these Cheesemakers, or um, but you know they, they were Pave Dauphinois or Huntsman or you know that, our English cheese was Huntsman, our Spanish cheese was some nonsense Manchego. Our um, you know there was there was and there was nothing in nothing uh, um, or very very little um, you know f- from the United States of note. There was Telame, sure. there was the Vela Dry Jack, a few other things. Um, you know, even like old school, you know, the grand, the grand dame of, you know, farmstead American cheese making, you know, what used to be called uh, um, Vermont Shepherd. I don't know what it's called now. But, Verano. Uh, oh, right. Um, that, uh, that, that didn't even exist yet. I remember the first prototypes. That was a, it, was the, it was different. And, the, and there wasn't, you know, the state of the art in the way that, that things were um, purchased, the way and sourced and, and, uh, and handled. Um, and you know, you, to even speak of a cheesemonger culture was just not something. Now, you were definitely a foundation stone of that, and and helped yeah. to lay down that. Well, you know, I mean, they keep all the ugliest stones down at the I was bottom. There. You know. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Emily? How did you become a cheesemonger? Um. So I. So as you said, I <laughs> came from a finance background. Uh-huh. Um. I straight out of college, I went to business school, um, and I started working in finance. And, um, you know, even though parts of it were appealing to me. Uh, like that, what? Like, you know, the analytical aspects of the it. Paychecks, and, the and large the paychecks? The large paychecks. Especially being a cheesemonger for a few years now, I kind of <laughs> miss that. Um, but 
I, it just, I didn't feel a connection to what I was doing. And um, I've always been very passionate about food and uh, knowing where my food comes from. And um, in 2009, I decided to quit my job and uh, start the Food Studies Master's Program at NYU. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, and I, uh, I remember around that same time, um, just keeping up on, you know, all kinds of literature that was coming out at that time. Uh, I read this article in The Atlantic um, by Daphne Zeppos, um, which was all about cheesemongering. And I was like, cheesemongering? That is the coolest sounding job <laughs> I've ever heard. She and mentioned me. <laughs> you were not mentioned. <laughs> but it did say, um, I remember at the end it said something like, the great thing about this job is that... Um, or rather, that your job and your ideals kind of match. And I that just kind of connected with me. And I started taking all kinds of cheese classes at Whole Foods. And I did, um, eventually, in 2010, the internship, uh, the cave internship. At, at Murray's. Murray's. Yeah. And uh, I just became fascinated with the culture and the history um, around cheese, the science. Um, and... Uh, just eventually decided that that's the path that I had to take. I just the same thing as Matt mentioned. It's just like the more you learn, the more you realize how little you know and how you'll never really know the the topic fully. There's just always something to learn. Oh, I absolutely agree with that. Um, I mean, definitely for you. You said you came in in 2009. You had friends that were not imaginary friends like the friends that Matt and I had had I imagine when we when we start I mean I still have a lot of imaginary friends but um I mean you must Matt you must have gotten a lot of your um I know I know you as a a man of uh of academia and uh you know a smarty pants of sorts you try to say um were you also interested in the culture and the epistemological uh you know surroundings of cheese was that yeah, something I mean, you got into that I know what that means absolutely <laughs> The um, <clears throat> when I was in, when I went into it, you know, I, I went into it. There wasn't we didn't have no NYU, you know, food studies school <laughs> or cheese cave internships and stuff. So I like made flashcards from like books, which I got busted on the for my first uh, my first day of work. I was thrown in the back of Isan, you know, the owner of Formaggio's Volvo. Yeah, and with pockets full of flashcards that I've been studying for weeks, and they've spilled out in the car, you know been getting shit for that ever since um, <laughs> but you know where i drew for on the cheating? back a picture of the no 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 they just you know i drew on the back a little picture of the cheese and the name and then on the other side you know which you know department of france it came from sure and a milk and and you know studied it and and uh but no the the, the a reason the the whole business and you know wine as well attracted me because you could bring all these you could look at it in such a, a wonderfully multidisciplinary way. You know, my field of study before was military history, and even that, you know, you can kind of look at the history of conquest and its effect on cheese making. Absolutely, you know? and it's um, and so that's that's what drew me into it. You know, the science. I'm not a scientist, and the science still escapes me. And me I read too. Textbooks, and I don't know what the hell they're talking about. And you think I should have known that 20 years ago? And, well, I agree. Like, and then you know, working with uh, <clears throat> with Emily at the cheese counter at Italy, I'm consistently embarrassed at myself because I, I I I botch up the steps in the cheese making processes all the time. And Emily, I feel like that's one thing that that really uh, that really drew you in. Um, you're I've worked with you, so I know you are of a meticulous nature. You like numbers and processes. I do. I think that's why <laughs> I, I went into finance. But um, no, I mean definitely, it's sort of the same reason why I started um, teaching cheese making because I was just fascinated by this process of liquid milk turning into something that you can keep for an extended period of time. It's just a whole fascinating process. And watching the rinds grow on bloomy rinds and 
um, you know, seeing Geotrichum form that beautiful brainy shape, it's just magical. See, I think that's also the difference. I mean, I know when I started, I didn't have, I had to make my own cheese cave and it was like a cardboard box with a piece of plastic on the top. I didn't. I, I didn't, remember your cheese cave. <laughs> I had a, I had constructed an elaborate and a highly illegal setup in like a walk-in in Dean and DeLuca. And that we was we think we had, at least we build it. If we, by, by we, I mean Formaggio Kitchen. We yeah. build ours as the first it was, cheese cave in America. We, nobody ever challenged us on it, so we'll maintain that. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, uh, um, it was was in the basement it was the accountant's office and literally it was like okay get out of the office was it that a bunch of uh overturned like buckets with like a uh no you know, there was pump? well yeah the 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 science of uh humidification isn't quite where it is right now although i've been in some very sophisticated cheese caves that use uh those magic foggers that yeah. make your pond look like you know you threw dry ice in it uh, yeah and witches brew um, yeah, no, Isan got this idea of, uh, I think the Neil's Yard guys taught him this, but it was this, it was this pagoda of plastic flower pots and plastic plates with holes and then a pump at the bottom and a pump sure. of water and it came up and cascaded down and we used it for like three days and then we realized the cheese in such a small room was getting it up to nearly a hundred percent humidity oh, anyway. Wow. And we just, you know, if anything, we were trying to get it, get it out of there. So we mothballed that thing. But Did Murray's have a slightly times. better uh, <laughs> setup than that, Emily? Slightly better. Yeah. Um, they did. Um, I mean, I also... Uh, Whatever. I, yeah. <laughs> I played around in the caves as well. Um, it's interesting, and I was going to ask you, Emily, um, do you see uh, a definitive line? And when I asked the, the cheesemakers about this, about uh, the, the if there was a dividing line between the old school and new school uh, cheesemakers, and they were very together. You know, they were very much re- reliant on one another, and the people who were making cheese somewhat in a new fashion were, I found in the interviews, were really interested in learning from the other older cheesemakers. Uh, do you find that that's the same with cheesemongers, or is the culture a little bit different? Is there a dividing line? Well, it's, it's hard to say because, um, you know, so I'm a I'm a career changer. I, I chose cheesemongering as my career path. And I know, you know, I'm friends with lots of people, former lawyers and, you know, former other things that have um, given up their more lucrative jobs <laughs> to do something that they're passionate about. And then there are the people who are just, I mean, passing by because there's, there's a certain, at least the way I perceive it, the certain sexiness around cheesemongering. And especially when you consider, you know, events like the Cheesemonger Invitational and um, all this hype around the, the cheesemonger as rock star. Well, you were taking it a little bit by that sexiness. Daphne put her spell on you by writing <laughs> that article uh, for The Atlantic, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it, there is a certain kind of, um, I don't know, uh, it's just an interesting career path to take um but you know for those of us who are not passing by and who who want to work in cheese for the rest of our lives uh definitely looking to people who've worked in cheese it's really important to find mentorship like you greg you're definitely one of my mentors (laughs) and um that's frightening for you (laughs) and raymond hook who i've worked with also he's um he's super old school (laughs) he's he's uh we're gonna get him in here yeah we are i like that what about you, man? Do you think that the, there are a lot of uh, tourists in the new school? Or, or what, what do you think about that? I mean, you employ no, I people. Mean, there's definitely, I mean, there's, there's a lot of people who are, you know, who are just like they always were. You know, some kid from the neighborhood, somebody who's, like you said, just passing through, somebody who's 
might make this career, might be co-opted, but, um, you know, they're kind of passing through. But, but there's, there's definitely a, um, I don't quite know the right words to use. I'm sitting here in a shipping container at Roberta's and you sure are. wherever we are. And, you know, I don't want to be savaged by the locals, but there's a, <laughs> a, there's a, you know, a, a, the same component to cheesemongers as one has seen for some time in, you know, the, the new breed of, of, as it were, of hip butchers and, you know, it's, which didn't really, I mean, when you go to the cheesemonger invitational and you see the, you see the sound like an old man, but you see the enthusiasm of the kids. I mean, you see oh, you those see, youngsters. I mean, you know, nobody in my day had cheese tattoos. Oh, and you're dead. Arm. Yeah, mine either. You I'm, know, I'm still yeah. tattoo free. Yeah, so well, um, and uh, it's you know the the in the, the extent to which people split off from whatever gainful employment they were doing or, or had intended into cheesemongering as a career. And, and go at it with the enthusiasm and the energy that they do is, is something that was pretty rare when, when you and I were around, I think. Well, it's, bigger, it's a bigger industry now. There that's are more what, places. It, there's a, the sense of community, and one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you guys about this was I think it was, was foreign to me in the beginning. You know, I, I was like, I don't know who, do, who does this sort of thing except for people who are 25 years older than me, and they're kind of like, what the hell are you doing this for? You know? um, and now there's a large community of people who are the same age, um, and, and, you know, and I don't find it good or bad, I do, but I do find it interesting. Yeah. You know? And, uh, I mean, Emily, you're definitely a part of that. You see, you see all types, right? Yeah, well, I also feel like the new school doesn't necessarily mean young. It just means people who are entering this industry fairly recently. Uh, you know, I do. Are we establishing here that there actually is an old and a new school? <laughs> well, if if there is an old and new school, Greg and I were talking about this. I guess you guys are like mid schoolers because they're definitely even older school. Well, who's the oldest of the old school? The oldest of the old school would be. I don't know. You you should answer that. You who are your mentors? Well, my mentors and. Honestly, my mentors in the industry weren't people that were in the industry. They were the people who, who gave me my employ and allowed for me to explore. And I think that that's the difference a lot. Now, there are schools that can teach you how to become a cheesemonger, that can teach you how to age cheese and sell cheese. I didn't have that. I don't know if you did. I mean, you had a great – Formaggio was like an institution of cheesemongering. Formaggio is an institution, but, you know, it – it it was just kind of the right time because when you know we started Formaggio, it was a cutting edge cheese shop, but that that edge wasn't particularly interesting, you know. And then as the industry developed, as people traveled, I mean, there's all kinds of reasons one can survive. You know, people traveled. It was a wealthy time. You know, it's uh, prosperous. Um, yes. You know that the the sort of the foodie hip the you know the health food hippie types and the foodie you know connoisseur types came together you know sort of as one and seeking out these things sure. and the, the level of not just knowledge but real connoisseurship of the general public you know and then you know some things happen in the industry some things change in the industry um that uh um about that time in terms of you know importing cheese shops importing absolutely themselves um you know there was a golden era there which unfortunately is not anymore but there was no. a golden era of just bringing in whatever the hell you wanted um and uh um and and then the industry changed, and then American cheese making um, really started to happen um, in a way that it wasn't before. So you know, you guys, you know, the, the new school, you know, they got they can do these field trips to farms. They can know these Absolutely. cheese makers. They can they can they can see it done. That really wasn't something 
we could do. You know, we're not going to go off and see President Bree made. And, no. Uh, you know. No, we aren't. Although you, know, you can now. jam the Stilton in between the Cheshire and the Hudson. <laughs> <laughs> well, Some torture de- dairy torture <laughs> devices out there. I would say the, the new school, this new class of cheesemongers that's come in have, has really come in because of the increase in American artisan cheesemaking. Because you need people to be, you know, as that industry has increased um as we talk to uh you know as you talk to the cheesemakers in the prior um episodes in the series um as more cheesemakers have emerged you need more people to sell that cheese yeah you sure do so look we're gonna have to take a short break but um we'll come right back with uh, matt rubiner and emily acosta thanks for hanging out do-it-yourselfer ever thought about gardening if you can build that window box you can build a raised bed in your backyard bonnie veggie and herb plants in raised beds make a fast weekend project with a big payback fresh grow them yourself tomatoes and peppers kale basil and thyme and so much more bonnie plants are healthy and strong and help jumpstart your garden so get growing plans and how-tos at bonnieplants.com Welcome back to Cutting the Curd. Before the break, I was talking with Matt Rubiner of Rubiner's Cheesemongers and Grocers in Great Barrington, Massachusetts, and uh, Emily Acosta of Italy here in New York City about their roots in cheesemongery and the path they took to be sitting here with me in this booth made out of shipping containers and uh, Roberta's Pizza. In this next portion of the show, um, I want to talk to you guys about the future and the sustainability of a career in cheesemongering. Um, just as I asked the cheesemakers in the prior uh, installments of the series, um, you know, my question to you both is: uh, What are the challenges you face as cheesemongers, Emily? What do you uh, What do you think? How How sustainable is this life for you? Um, so, being a cheesemonger, um, sustainability it's it's difficult. Um, because it's it's not a very lucrative <laughs> job as we've talked about to to be able to sustain over a, a long period of time. So I know you know you reach and also it it gets boring after a while. You know you're like what? <laughs> I, I should, How dare you? No, I mean you when you're just at the counter all the time and uh, assisting customers all the time and not necessarily and well I guess it also depends on the type of customer you have. It could just get very um, repetitive and tedious. Um, when you have sort of other things that you're you're dealing with, like I, I personally don't do any buying or, um, you know, I well, I do teach the classes at Italy, which is a lot of fun. Um, but I feel like to have a career in cheesemongering, you have to supplement it with something else or own your own shop or um, kind of move into a role that isn't 
being at the counter every single moment of the day. But do you ever think as a cheesemonger, I think you can never get away from that. I mean, the term cheesemonger, you know. No, absolutely. And I, I love being at the counter, as you know. I you love do. I love serving people and I love meeting new people. And most of all, I love teaching people about the cheese and um, explaining to them why uh you know, why they should be eating this, these great products that we carry. Um, but, you know, five days a week <laughs> for an extended period of time, it can get uh, a little tedious. Wait, don't you work for him? I do. <laughs> she used to work for me. <laughs> no, but seriously, um, the money, money's still, though, I think that for enough cash, you would do that. I mean, if you owned your own shop... Yeah, that's a whole, that's that's what I mean. I mean do you agree with that, Matt? I mean, is it? Do you ever get tired of people at the counter after twenty plus years of waiting on them? Yeah, I prefer not to comment on that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's you know it's it's. I mean, to answer your question about sustainability, yeah. I don't think it's you know materially different than you know the deciding to go to cooking school or or you know learning about wine or it is. Uh, I mean, it is. Uh, you know, from my view, the it's a it's a young person's. You know, I mean, it's service industry job and, you know, it is very much like a trade and it, you know, whether you call it that or not, you do start out really kind of as an apprentice Completely. and you move on from there and you, you know, you try to have masters to learn from and, and, uh, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm an, I'm an owner now. I mean, I love it. You know, there's not a day goes by that I don't wonder why the hell I ever did this, but <sighs> there's also not a day goes by that I don't say, I know exactly why I did this, you know, and it's. It's something that, you know, either by the, you know, just the, you know, we're a little store in the hills, so I don't really have the option of not working the floor. But I, I just can't see a time when, I don't know that answers the question, but I can't see a time not working the floor. Exactly. You know, I just can't, I just can't imagine not. Well, that's, to me, that, it, what you said, Emily, is, uh, is poignant because it, you mentioned before that people are taken in by this romantic notion of what it being a cheesemonger is. And it's a straight retail job. You know, you're, you're pushing food out to people. That's the nuts and bolts of it. But I think, for, I mean, for me, what separates it is, is the products. You know, the, the cheese itself is the, is the sexy part about it. I mean, we are decidedly, you know, just mucking through, pushing out that awesome well, stuff to people. It's especially at a place like Italy where we are so volume based we have you know so many people walk through there if you've ever been there on a saturday <laughs> you know what i mean that's just like impossible to walk through um it's it's just that repetitive kind of nature you don't have the time necessarily to um develop relationships with every customer that comes in and uh, a lot of people are coming in as you know from other places and they don't know that we are all behind the counter very experienced and very knowledgeable and can can um, sort of guide them through our massive collection of cheese, and they're just like, uh, "Give me a quarter pound of prosciutto." You know, <laughs> my favorite was uh, I got asked for um, the Parmesan with the sand in it. Oh, you got the, the sand! You got the Matt, with the carry sand that? in it. Oh yeah, <laughs> you carry like, the Parmesan with the sand it? in it. <laughs> so. hey, customers are the best. They are. <laughs> Let's say that. Um, I, I, for me, it just comes down to to money. Um, unfortunately, I mean, I because for myself, I got into it early. Uh, people seem to think that longevity equates that I know what I'm doing, which is, you know, they keep giving me bigger paychecks, which means I almost, you know, have a livable wage at this point. But do you do you ever think that the amount of cheesemongers that there that we have now, in comparison to that time, and the amount of cheese shops in general, uh, force the wages of cheesemongers down, or can there ever be too many cheese shops? It can't be too many good ones, 
I mean, it's hard to have a good cheese shop. Um, Why? Because it really takes a dedication. It really takes, you know, I try, I try to use the word passion as little as possible. But it really takes a, a passion. It really takes a willingness to learn this. It really takes a, a desire to really truly be in this career, learn every aspect of it. And it's, it's, and the, you know, the products that we're handling, you know, it's they're they're very difficult. First, you got to have taste. You know, yeah. you got to know where to find this stuff. You got to know how to how to. Um, you know, something as mundane as check it in, you know, make sure nothing's going through your, you know, first line of defense. And then, and then, uh, and then you got to know how to handle it. And then you got to know how to tell the story. And it's hard, you know, and it, you know, there's, there's, um, some places are just, you know, sort of too big to be good. You know, there's, there are places that are, you know, imagine themselves to be good. And, you know, look, I'll say it, you know, sometimes you, they don't have the level of taste that you'd want or, or the, the, the collection that that might seem, you know, interesting. It, you know, it's it's not. There's there's only going to be so many, really, at the forefront. Um, and so I don't know about wage pressures and things like that, but I think there's always going to be a place like that. Just like there's always a place for a great restaurant, and there's always a place for you know a little diner. So as the amount of cheesemongers has increased, has the quality of cheesemongers increased? God, I think absolutely, yeah. I mean, it, I, you didn't meet young, career-oriented cheesemongers in the ni- in the early '90s that much, you know, no. mid '90s or whatever. You just you just didn't do it. There were people who worked in the shop, and some people stuck with it. Some people, you, me, nice guy Vinny Maniacci. Yeah, Vinny Maniacci. You know, these are people who who were like, nice oh, this, is what, <laughs> this, is what, this is what I want to do. Yeah. I'm going to do this. And most people who I worked with back in Formaggio are. Not in the cheese business anymore. No, <laughs> but I, if there, I mean, there's a hell of a lot more of them now. But there's, like you know, I was saying before, there's just a level of energy. Um, you know, the, the people, the fact that we use the word cheesemonger, the fact that people refer to themselves as a cheesemonger, you know, just says it all. That's it wasn't the case. Oh, I work in a cheese shop. You know. I actually have a question for both of you, and that's uh, going off of what you just said. I remember when I when I first started in cheese. Mongering. I was working at Beecher's Handmade Cheese. That was my first cheesemongering job. And um, I remember, I don't remember who I was having this conversation with, but it's there's a certain protectiveness around the term cheesemonger. Or it was sort of like uh, people who are working in this business for two days call themselves a cheesemonger, and they haven't earned sort of the right to call themselves that yet. There are certain you know, thresholds you have to pass before you can call yourself that. How do you guys feel about that? I mean, I don't care. You, as, long, as long as you show up to work on time and do what I ask you to do, you can call yourself whatever you want. But, you know, but, you, know you got to bristle a little bit sometimes. When, I do. But. When, you know, it's, it's – I mean, look, it, it, it is a trait. You know, there are, there are arcane practices and arcane tools and a great body of knowledge that needs to be mastered. Um, or at least, you know, you need to be set on the path of mastering this, this great and changing and really, truly vast body of knowledge. Um, and, uh, and, you know, you bristle a little bit when somebody just one day opens a cheese shop with no, you know, experience. Right. And you go in there and it shows. There's no way they're going to fake it. You know, they might hire a you know, few people who know what they're doing. But um, it's, you know, I, I really do. Like, I called my store Rubiner's Cheesemongers and Grocers. Um, that was before Anne called hers Saxaby's Cheesemongers. If you're listening, Anne. If you're listening, Anne. <laughs> Um, and uh, but I, we, I did it specifically with my name and cheesemongers because it was me, it was my palate, it was the things that I love, it was the story I'm going to tell, um, and then we're cheesemongers, and you know we picked the old name for you know our trade, 
and because we really do see it as you know a trade. Um, you know, the stakes aren't as high as say you know an electrician or something. If you one day decide to be a you know an electrician and fail to be trained, but <laughs> but uh, um, but no, it's 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 something that I think it's a it's it's uh, it's something that that requires that kind of dedication. You know, sometimes you. People call themselves a cheesemonger, but you know, if you go work in a shop that's a good shop, and you get behind the counter and you put on an apron, you're a cheesemonger. You might be an apprentice cheesemonger, but, but you're, you're there. And I guess that I agree with that. I mean, I was joking before. I I don't have a problem with it at, at per se because I know I'm a cheesemonger, so it doesn't. I don't know. I'm secure in the fact that I don't. I'm, that much I know I am. I don't know if I'm a good one or not, but I know it's it's what I am, and uh, I know that the people that work for me are the same. But you, oh, <laughs> bless you. Sorry, got a little dusty in here. <laughs> but um, what about you? Would you? Would you? Do you feel that you have uh, earned the right to call yourself a cheesemonger? Oh gosh, I don't know. Have I? <laughs> no, I. Well, we'll find out at the end of the I week, guess we right? We will at the at the cheesemonger invitational. <laughs> we will. Yeah, I mean, I, I refer to myself as a cheesemonger when I um, have to tell people my profession. Is. But what makes but, you think? So Matt Matt said, you know what what you know why he called this store what he called it and why he calls himself that. Why really do do you feel like you can refer to yourself as I mean, a cheesemonger? It definitely is a there's a a craft to it. It's learning how to um, take care of cheese and learning how to uh, tell the story to customers and. Um, doing it effectively and and moving the cheese that you need to move it it is there is an art or you know a craft to it and you know over the last however many years a couple years three years i've been doing this um i've i've been able to learn that do i have i mastered it no but um i don't well for me when i when I knew it was a cheesemonger, when I was working in Boston at Savonor's Market, and I had the That's keys to the place. I used to, to buy all place. my snake meat. Yeah. <laughs> they sell the best snake meat at Savonor's. <laughs> and I'm not even kidding you. <laughs> and llama if you want that sort of thing. But I was working there at about 2.30 in the morning because I would go in after the butchers were done, and I would just cut the little case. I was had no, nowhere near the kind of uh, inventory that they had at Formaggio. But when I walked out of there at 2, and the Boston subways were shut down, and I smelled really badly... And I had to walk back to Austin, and I was tired, but I was, like, really happy. And I had a little piece of, like, camembert or something in my pocket. I was like, yeah, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my you know, the rest of my time. So, you know, I, uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if that, that was uh, my particular training, uh, but that's when I knew that I was going to do it. Um, so I'll ask you guys. We've got to wrap this up, unfortunately. But um, so, Matt. I'm going to go out on a limb and say uh, you're not going to sell the shop and become an auto mechanic anytime in the near future. No, I'm so I'm in so deep. So you're a lifer, and uh, oh yeah, absolutely. You hope to uh, that the that Rubenus Cheesemongers just sustains itself forever, right? Yeah, I hope we continue to grow and do well, and we love where we are, and it's kind of ideal country living for us. And oh, you're in a beautiful spot, mm-hmm. and you have a you have a family, you have a you have little ones, correct? Uh, no, I have a couple of rather large dogs. Anyway, anyway, Are they anyway. going to be able to uh, take it over for you? Probably not. <laughs> right. Well, you right. better get working on that. Yeah, they couldn't make any less money doing it then. <laughs> oh, that's a topic for another day. <laughs> and what about you, Miss Emily Acosta? Are you going to be a cheesemonger with us for a long time? Well, uh, for now, I'm a part-time cheesemonger with you for a long time. Um, like I said, I have got my master's in food studies. I have to pay back those student loans, and the cheesemongering isn't cutting it for uh 
you know, the picture that I'm getting. For the coin purse. <laughs> exactly. So um, I, I'm working on building Italy's e-commerce program and stopping into the shop to help you whenever I can. Right on. Well, I wanted to say thanks for both of you to coming on. Thanks to both of you for coming on, uh, to Matt Rubiner and Emily Acosta. And thanks to you guys for listening to this entire series of Old School versus New School. And uh, we'll be back next week with another episode of Cutting the Curd live on the Heritage Radio Network. Peace. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.